Okay, so today we're going to talk about, we're in the middle of a series, kind of just started a series on heaven. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 if you want to go there. Uh, you can look at it on your phones or on your tablets or in, actually, you might actually have, this is called a book and uh, a Bible. Uh, I'd like to congratulate you South Carolina fans for your victory. Now I know how it's felt for you the last six out of seven years. And so, uh, uh, so that, that's all I got for you. Okay, all right. Oh, I don't have my little thing on. Sorry. One of the questions that comes up a lot about um, heaven is, you know, what happens when a person dies? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But first, I want to, one of the questions that comes up a ton is this one. Will my pet or will animals be in heaven? By the way, if that hippo has got to climb those steps, uh, he ain't making it. So uh, uh, no hippos evidently are going to get into heaven. By the way, uh, I looked up heaven and animals. Uh, there are some really creepy pictures. Uh, it's like this is kind of one of the better ones, and this was weird. Uh, but anyway, so the the issue is, uh, I'll try to deal with this as best I can. And by the way, disclaimer, I'm not an animal lover. I'm kind of an animal take it or leave it. Or, uh, you know, I, I don't mind them, but I, you know, I know for some people, they provide great comfort, and they are your friends, and... Good for you. That's, that's good. If God has provided that as a resource for you, that's super. That's just not who I am. So I have to kind of look at it. I, I just want to look at Scripture. Hey, what does the Bible say about this? Because it's really important that we don't just go by our emotions or our feelings. And um, Will Rogers said, if dogs don't go to heaven, I want to go where dogs go. And so some of us are like that. Um, the issue is this. Uh, as far as I can tell in Scripture, it doesn't really say that, that animals have souls like people have souls. Maybe they have a soul, but it's a little different. So uh, do they go to heaven? Um, there are Scriptures, and let me show you one. Uh, Romans eight twenty says this, With eager hope the creation, that would be animals, uh, looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So my definitive answer on do animals go to heaven is maybe, uh, you know, uh, probably. There's, I mean, I, I like texts like this because it gives us some hope that it's there. And our trust is if God has created heaven and it is a paradise, then if animals aren't there, there must be something better or there must be something different than that, that God has chosen for us and we have to trust that he knows what's best. So a more important question is what happens when a person dies? And so that's really kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, there are different theories on this. Uh, there are four kind of main ones. Uh, a lot of this, a lot of theories about heaven come out in um, movies and things, and we'll talk about it in just a second. But atheism basically says when you die, you're done. Like, this is all there is when you die, you're done. And, and there was a, a tombstone one time, that it was an atheist tombstone, and it said, all dressed up, nowhere to go. Uh, and that kind of uh, is really sort of the, the, the way an atheist thinks is, okay, well, there's no God, and so there's no afterlife. When we die, we're done. Uh, reincarnation, sort of Eastern mystici uh, mysticism, says that um, you, you have this life, and how you perform in this life, it's like a circle. How you perform in this life determines how you come back in the next life. Uh, Mark Twain said, I don't believe in reincarnation, and I didn't believe it last time either. And so, and, you know, it's kind of this cycle that uh, if you're, if you're um, good in this life, you come back as a Kentucky fan. Uh, uh, if you're bad in this life, 
you're not. Uh, so uh, th- that's kind of how that works. Um, uh, anybody, everybody knows what Platonism, right? Uh, you all know what that is. <laughs> um, Plato uh, has a, had a theory. It's really kind of still common today, actually, that there's a body and a soul, and when our bodies die, our souls uh, last forever um, somewhere, uh, disembodied souls. We believe a, a little bit of that, but we believe part of that, I should say. But we are resurrectionists, and so what we believe the Bible teaches is this, that we are a body, um, we are a soul that has a body, and that when we die, our souls continue to live, and eventually there is a resurrected body that we get to inhabit. That's what Christianity teaches. Now, some of the bad theology that's out there comes from movies. Uh, One of your favorite Christmas movies is It's a Wonderful Life. I can count on no fingers how many times I've watched this movie, but I do know all about it because you tell me I should watch it, and you are annoying with that. But anyway, um, uh, let me tell you, here's the whole thing about this movie. Uh, you got a guy, George Bailey, he gets in trouble, there's some money missing at the bank, they're praying for him, and in heaven, God's talking to Joseph, who is a great angel, which makes sense to me, uh, and Joseph, they call in some dude named Clarence, he's an angel second class, and he doesn't have his wings yet, uh, evidently, Clarence was somebody that died in the 1800s, and he needs to earn his wings, they send him to earth to help George Bailey figure out that his life is really important and he does he's successful in this uh, mission and at the end of the movie there's this scene where they're around the christmas tree and there's a bell that tingles and george bailey's daughter named zuzu is that right uh she says teacher says every time the bell rings an angel gets his wings and george said george bailey says that a boy clarence now Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we get to be angels. We're not angels. There's Angels are created beings, and people are created beings, and when people die, they don't become angels. Nothing in Scripture says that. We do get wings, however. I didn't know that. That's kind of good. Uh, so um, I think that's funny. I don't care who you are. Okay, so question, really serious question. What happens when a person dies? Really important. So let, let's kind of talk about it. It's super important. Our eternal souls leave our temporary bodies. So Paul writes about this. All right, let me explain who Paul is. Paul was a guy who wrote a lot, maybe half, about half of the New Testament. Uh, he didn't believe in Jesus. Uh, in fact, he was adamantly opposed to Christianity. And then one day he encounters Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and he changes his mind. And he, began, he becomes like the greatest church planter of all time. And he plants churches in different places. And he becomes this great theologian that teaches uh, us how to live and about life. And in this case, he teaches us about what happens next. So he writes this. Uh, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down. It's a metaphor. Now, he's a tent maker, so he knows what a tent is like. By the way, uh, after the first service, somebody said, uh, I love camping. I'm going to talk about camping a little bit. I'm not talking about pulling like a trailer someplace. He only tent camped. Okay, so we're talking tent camping. Everything from here on, he's talking about a tent. All right, so if this earthly uh, body that we're taking is taken down, that is, when we die and leave our earthly body, 
we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. Um, I've only slept in a tent one time in my life. I was about 13 or 14 years old. My buddy Mike Osborne had a birthday party. We set up a tent in the backyard, and we were glamping before glamping was cool. Mike had a television out there and a mini fridge, so uh, we weren't really roughing it too much, but I don't have a lot of experience about camping, uh, and, and I know uh, you, you may, many of you probably do. That's okay. You look very campy, uh, but um, the two things I know about a tent one is they are incredibly insecure. Um, if you had lots of money, you wouldn't want to store it in a tent because anybody can get in. It's not like it's impenetrable. Uh, you can't lock it up. Uh, there's no way to keep people out. There's no way to keep animals out. Uh, in many cases, there's no way to even keep water out. They are very, very insecure. Uh, the other day in my house, now I own a house, I live in a house, um, I like when I go to bed for the house to be secure. Theoretically, it's my job to lock all the doors and make sure the perimeter is secure, you know, that kind of thing. And so one night, four o'clock in the morning, uh, my fire alarm begins to chirp. Isn't that fun? That is so much fun at four o'clock in the morning. It's chirping because my wife hasn't changed the batteries. Uh, so um, it starts to chirp, you know. So I get up. It's four in the morning. I get up. I walk down the hallway. It's, I mean, we have like 10 of these things in the house, and two of them are chirping. It's like, good grief. I don't know if, they like, if they, they're like crickets, and, and they were talking. I don't know exactly how it works. Anyway, I noticed that the garage light was on because I could see the light under the door. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not supposed to be. So I opened my door into the garage, which was unlocked, and my garage door was open to the world. And I thought to myself, zombies missed their opportunity because uh, we were wide open. The vests were, 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 uh, were, were uh, we were uh, ready to be picked. You know, uh, the thing about a house is you can make it secure. Tent, you can't make it secure. And and we all have had experiences in our lives where somebody one day seemed perfect and healthy. And the next day, they're gone. My wife works at NGU at North Greenville University. And this week, a baseball player, I think he was 21, 22 years old, he died in his apartment. They found him in his apartment with his Spanish book on his lap. One day, he's playing baseball. The next day, he's gone. My dad, uh, he died at 67 years old. When I was in my 30s, that seemed really old. Now I'm not in my 30s, and that doesn't seem nearly as old. And my dad, at 67 years old, got up, worked in the morning, sat down at lunch, had a massive heart attack, and never got up. Life is uncertain. And I don't have to tell you that because you all have experienced it. Now, we try stuff. We, we try to make life more secure. We'll buy insurance or, you know, if you're famous, you hire a bodyguard or you accumulate things. If you're a prepper, you know, you, you stock water and you, you stock up food and ammunition. But ultimately, life is insecure. You remember Steve Jobs. He's the, one of the founders of Apple, one of the most brilliant men who ever walked the planet. His, his mind, he was just brilliant. And he had billions of dollars. 
If there was ever a guy on this planet who had the means to have the very best health care, it was Steve Jobs. He had every advantage. Not only is he brilliant, he's incredibly wealthy. And yet, he gets pancreatic cancer, and before you know it, he is no longer here. Life is insecure. Now, the good thing about the Bible is it never pulls any punches on this. Look at what it says. What is your life? It is like a mist that appears for a little while, and then it's gone. And if there was ever a more true verse, I don't know what it is. Life is like a mist. We even teach our kids to pray a little prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, we say to our kids. I pray the Lord my soul to take. We are vulnerable people. These bodies were just not built to last forever. These bodies weren't. So, uh, one thing I know about tents is they're insecure. A second thing I know is that they're uncomfortable. A tent, not, not your camper. Uh, uh, we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Now, again, I'm not a, a, a camping aficionado, but I've been to REI enough to know that if you put that egg crate thing down and put a sleeping bag on top of it, it still isn't as nice as my pillow top mattress in my bedroom. It's just not. It is not as comfortable. And they sell freeze-dried stuff or dried-up stuff, and you're supposed to be able to put uh, the pouch over a fire and add some water, and I can guarantee you that is never, ever going to be as good as anything my wife cooks. It's just not comfortable. I think there's a reason Paul uses that language. Because he was a tent maker. He knew about tents. In fact, it says this, While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. Can I get a witness? <laughs> I do. I, I, I groan all the time. Uh, yes. We groan all the time. My daughter, Mallory, uh, came uh, home to visit us. She lives in Michigan. Uh, she and her husband came down to visit us for a week. It was her birthday last week. And so uh, they are big volleyball players. They play uh, beach volleyball in, uh, on the sands of, of Lake Michigan. Uh, they've won a little money. They're professional volleyball players. They've won $75. Uh, but uh, they're, they're professional in my mind, and they're really good at it. And so they were out playing volleyball. Elise loves volleyball, and so you know, Elise's home. And so I decided, I decided, that it was a good idea for me to join them in playing volleyball. Does anybody think that's a good idea? That's a dumb idea. Now, it was fun. It was great. <laughs> Until the next day. I moved things. I don't move normally. I used muscles that don't like to be used. Those muscles were like, don't ever do this again. Uh, I woke up the next morning, and uh, I, I got out of bed. I didn't know a person's toenails could hurt, <laughs> but they did. I, I, the only thing that I can think of that didn't hurt were my eyebrows, and I'm not really sure about them. I was hurting all over. These bodies of ours, when I was 20, I could do that all day. I'm not 20 anymore. I can't do that. And while we live in these earthly bodies, and maybe Paul should have said, I don't mean to add to Scripture, 
while we live in these earthly bodies, as we grow older, we groan and we sigh. And it is absolutely true. Psalm 90 puts it this way. It's beautiful. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. I, I looked this up. Uh, the actuary on Americans and life expectancy, I think the average is 77 years, uh, men and women. Men are, I think it's 73, 74. Women were 81, 82 isn't it interesting that a text written literally thousands of years ago is still accurate? Because we've not figured out how to keep these bodies from wearing out. Because they still do. They just wear out. Catherine Hepburn was a, an actress and she said that we have to kind of see the humor in getting old. And th she wrote this. She said, when you're my age, it's as if you're a car. First the tire blows and you get the tire fixed. And then a headlight goes out and you get that fixed. And then one day you drive into the shop and the man says, I'm sorry, miss, but we don't make parts for that model anymore. And it's kind of how it feels sometimes. And so Revelation has this verse that says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. They will rest from their labors. And the older you get, the more comfort you take in a verse like that. When we die, our souls that inhabit this mortal, failing body, our souls immediately go to be with the Lord. We're going to talk about that in just a second. It's like a hand inside a glove. When you take the hand out, the, the form, the glove is still there, the body is still there, but the thing that animated the glove is now gone. C.S. Lewis, this brilliant Christian thinker, said, We're not, uh, you're not a soul that has a body, you're a body that has a soul. Uh, our souls are what, we, what make us who we are. I could have a horrendous accident on the way home today, and I could lose my arm or a leg or an eye. I could, I could lose an ear. Uh, I could lose my appendix, but I'm still me. My soul is still me. The essence of what makes me me still exists. Jesus one time said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? The, the inference there is you don't need to gain the whole world. I, I, I think of Steve Jobs every time I read that. He had everything. And so in this life, our bodies might be getting weaker, yet our souls can be getting ever stronger. Look at what he said again in, in Chapter 5, we grow weary in our present bodies. We long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing, like, like we get to put on a new shirt, new pants. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without a body. Which brings me to the second point. Number two, these eternal souls of ours immediately leave the body and then we go to be with the Lord in paradise. Now, the we here is those of us who follow Jesus. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord, for we live by believing and not seeing. And then the very next thing, this is kind of sums up how we believe that things happen, those of us who are Christians. We're fully confident. We would rather be away from these bodies and be home with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When Jesus was on the cross, there was a, a thief next to him, 
who professed faith, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Our bodies, our, our bodies perish, our souls go immediately to be with Jesus. Uh, I, I love funny, uh, they're called epithets, the things that people sometimes write on these tombstones. Um, we, we, we write stuff like rest in peace, you know, boring. Uh, back in the day, they used to have really good ones. I want to read a couple to you. Uh, there's, there's one in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, that reads like this. Here lies the body of Jonathan Blake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. I, I, I like that one. It's good. There's one in Ribsford, England. <laughs> uh, it's about Anna Wallace. Evidently, she wasn't a pleasant person. This is what it says. I guess you can get real when the person dies. Uh, maybe. Here lies Anna Wallace. The children of Israel wanted bread. And the Lord sent them manna. Old clerk Wallace wanted a wife, and the devil sent him Anna. <laughs> Where was Anna's people when that was written? I want to know. In Cooperstown, New York, here lies Susanna Ensign. Lord, she is thin. They wanted to write, Lord, she is thine, but they ran out of room. You got to space that stuff right. Oh, this one. This one's sad. In loving memory of uh, Ellen Shannon, age 26, who was accidentally burned March 21st, 1870, by the explosion of a lamp... <laughs> All this is on a tombstone. Uh, by the explosion of a lamp filled with R.E. Danford's non-explosive burning fu fuel. So evidently they couldn't sue, but they were going to make sure the Danfords got, got the message. Uh, Merv Griffin was a talk show host. On his tombstone it reads, I will not be right back after these messages. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this one's, this one's, it's kind of funny, but not funny. Um, it's in uh, tu uh, Tucson, around Tucson, Arizona. Here lies George Johnson, hung by mistake, 1882. He was right, we was wrong, but we strung him up, and now he's gone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sorry, George. Uh, you know, sorry about that, buddy. All right, I got, <laughs> I've got three that I'll end with. Uh, there's a, a guy named Poncho in Mexico. This is what, it, that's what the family wrote about him. He was a good husband. He was a wonderful father. He was a bad electrician. Uh, so I don't know how he went out, but I have a feeling I kind of know. All right, this is about somebody named Arabella Young. Evidently, she's chatty. Uh, beneath this side lives Arabella Young, who on the 26th of May began to hold her tongue. Uh, so, and my favorite, my most favorite one. Uh, Tombstone, Arizona. Here lies Lester Moore. Four slugs from a 44, no less, no more. Uh, I think that's great. <clears throat> I, I am, um, one of the stories I heard was about a lady, and, and she, her husband dies, and she has a, uh, a tombstone person right on the, 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 the headstone. Uh, rest in peace. <laughs> Very creative. Uh, rest in peace. And then she finds out he had been having an affair. She's mad. She goes to the tombstone guy and she says, you got to erase that. I don't, want to, I don't want him to rest in peace. And, and he said, well, you know, I, can't, I can't like erase it. And so underneath she says, until we meet again. Uh, you know, so um, uh, a little vengeance is mine. Uh, what is uh, hell hath no fury? Uh, so last week we talked a little bit about Paul. We're talking about Paul a little bit today. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians about a man he knew who went to heaven. 
And, and many people think he's just being humble, that it was kind of him that did it, but he didn't want to say, I did it, so he's humble about it. But let's assume, let's assume it's Paul, and Paul writes about this, and even if it's somebody else, he said he talked to the guy, and the guy said it was so marvelous, he didn't know how to explain it. Now, if you've seen heaven, can you imagine what earth looks like? I mean, it would be like it would be like eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when you know there's an all-you-can-eat buffet around the corner. And, and so Paul writes this, for, for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So he's kind of rationalizing in his mind. Okay, well, if I stay around, I got stuff to do. But dying is even better. If I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Uh, I really don't know what to do, which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Now, in the Greek, there's a way to emphasize words. And in this particular description, he emphasizes the word better. Uh, it's a triple superlative. He basically says it would be much, much, much more better which is really bad grammar, but really good theology. He's looking forward to going to heaven. Now, you read some of Paul's stuff, and it's as if he thought that Jesus was going to come again during his lifetime. We'll, we'll look at a verse in a minute that kind of implies that. Uh, he's kind of hoping that Jesus is going to come back before he dies. But... Paul gets older. I mean, you, if you read about the life of Paul, he, he experienced some really difficult things. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. One time he was nearly stoned to death. In fact, there's a thought that he was stoned to death. That's when he had a vision of heaven, and, and then he was resuscitated and came back, kind of came back. Um, so he lived a pretty rough life. Uh, he was imprisoned, uh, falsely accused, lots of stuff going on. And he's got a protege by the name of Timothy, a young pastor who he's pouring his life into, and he writes him a couple of letters. And in the New Testament, we have 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and we have another one, another guy named Titus that he writes to. It's also one of his protégés. And so Paul's toward the end of his life, and he says this to Timothy. The time of my departure, it's a strategic word, the time of my departure is near. Now, the word departure in the Greek was the word that they would use if you were a soldier and you were about to bug out of one place where you packed up your tent and you got your, you know, your, your sleeping roll and all that kind of stuff and you packed your pack and you went to one place from one place to the next. That's the language he uses here. I uh, am about time, it's about my time to depart. We use the same word if you're boarding a, 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 a what's the time of departure for an airline? And so you'll go into the airline and they'll have these big screens and, and they'll have arrivals and they'll have departures. And departures mean I'm, gonna, I'm here and I'm going to get on the plane here in Greenville and I'm going to land someplace else. I'm going to go from one place to the next. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's ready to depart this land and go to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body, he said, was to be present with the Lord. Now good news is eventually we get something called glorified bodies eventually we'll get a, a glorified body for we will not uh, i'm sorry for we will put on heavenly bodies we will not be spirits without bodies 
God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be disembodied spirits that float around. That's what uh, Plato thought. That's not exactly true. Now, Paul writes to his friends in um, a, a town called Thessalonica. And we have, this, we have a couple letters, uh, 1 Thessalonians and uh, 2 Thessalonians. So the first one, says, he says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. <laughs> um, I think the King James says, We do not want you to be ignorant. Or as we say in Kentucky, ignorant. Uh, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep in death so that you would grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And some of you have been to funerals and it was as if there was no hope in the room. Like, we are hopeless. And it is, it's a difficult place to be with people who have no hope. And so Paul's like, hey, 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 hey. Um, I don't want you to be like that. So he says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring, Jesus, uh, back, uh, bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Let me clarify. Our bodies sleep, our souls go to be with the Lord. Our bodies sleep, our souls go to be with the Lord. Some people ask me, is it okay to be cremated? Is, you know, what happens, that kind of thing. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Um, there were Christians who were burned at the stake kind of cremation if you think about it the god of the universe who creates all things out of nothing and certainly able to recreate your body a glorified body out of the dust of the earth so don't worry about that um verse 16 17 for the lord himself jesus himself will come from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel with the trumpet call of god and we talked about this a few weeks ago in a uh, a jewish wedding when it was time for the groom to go get his bride there would be a big processional through the city, through the town. And, and the groom's best man and his, his groomsmen would walk through the town and some of them would be blowing a shofar horn and some would be shouting. And this is the imagery that would be conjured up when Paul talks about this. Um, after that, we who are still alive, and so he's implying that he's going to still be alive when Jesus comes back. That didn't work out, but that's kind of what he was thinking, I believe. And our left will be caught up in the air together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So if I died today, before Jesus comes back, my soul goes to be with Jesus in paradise. And I get to hang out with Jesus until Jesus is ready to come back. And when he does, I'm going to have the spirits that have gone on before, like my dad. Their souls will have a ringside seat at the second coming. Yesterday, uh, we drove to Knoxville. Um, the girls wanted to watch um, University of Tennessee uh, played volleyball against the University of South Carolina. I pulled for you people, and you're mean to me today. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. I'm remembering it. Uh, I'm taking note. So, this is huge arena. Um, a college volleyball game, we paid $5 to get in. We sat on the front row. It's me, the bench, the court. It was awesome. 
Um, balls were flying, you know, all over the place. Uh, 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 you could hear them talking to each other. You could hear the coach coaching them up. Got to try harder. Uh, it was great. We we loved it. And I think to myself, oh oh oh, this is going to be awesome. Because if I die before Jesus comes back, then I get a ringside seat. And then the very next thing he says is, encourage each other with these words. Well, yeah, we get a ringside seat. I mean, I bought that ticket thinking I'm going to be way, way up in the stand someplace. No, it was amazing. Encourage each other. The old timers used to want to be buried facing the east because they thought Jesus was coming in the east and when they rose from the dead, they wanted to be, seen, they wanted to be facing Jesus. Today we want our caskets hermeneutically sealed. Like, I want a pop top, man. Uh, uh, I'd like to get out fast, you know. I want to be like first in line. If, I'm, if that old body of mine is dead, I'd like it to, to, to come on out. And, and, and he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep. Not everybody will die. But we'll all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. See, some people were worried. Man, if I don't die, I don't get a resurrected body. He's no, 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 no. It's not no, 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 no. You get a resurrected body. We will all be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will all be changed good news the thought of a a better body a glorified body the greek word is doxa means bright means powerful the older you get i mean if you're young and you're you have, uh, you have no issues it's, it's good for you good for you uh but uh, someday i hope i'm here uh someday it's, it won't be like that Our bodies continue to deteriorate. That's just how it works. But our spirits can get closer to Jesus all the time. Now, one last thing. Then comes judgment. Let me be really clear about this. Listen, everybody listen. For those who haven't had their sins forgiven, the judgment is for their sins. For those of us who've asked Jesus to take our sins away, the judgment is, what actions have you done? What good things have you done? What have you done for Jesus? All right? So don't get confused. People who don't have their sins forgiven are judged for their sins. Those people like myself who've asked Jesus to forgive our sins, we're judged for what we've done with the opportunity Jesus has given us. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't always done everything that Jesus wants me to do, but I've, I've done some. I, sh- I hope I have a little bit of credit in there. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. And that's why it says our goal is to please him. Our goal is to please him. Quick summary, and then I'm going to close. There's the departure of the spirit from the body. When you die, your spirit goes to be with the Lord immediately. Third thing, at the return of Christ, our glorified bodies are received. 
stand judgment. If you're uh, not a, a follower of Jesus, you have to answer for your sins. If you uh, are a follower of Jesus, you get to talk about the good things that you have done. And then finally, perfect existence in eternity for the Christian. Eternal, unfortunately, separation for those who aren't followers of Christ. Now, three words that I can think of to describe heaven. Permanence, unlike a tense, this is a permanent place. We get to be there forever. Perfection, these bodies of ours that aren't perfect will be perfect. Think about Jesus when he was resurrected. A couple of things that you can note. Jesus was able to show them his, his hands and feet where the nails went in. So he was recognizable. The thing I like most about Jesus after he was resurrected is he ate. And I really like to eat. Uh, that gives me hope that in heaven we get to have some chow. I'm good with that. And then there are people. Have, have you ever anticipated seeing somebody that you hadn't seen for a while? My, my, my daughters, one of them lives in, right now she's living in Salt Lake City. I've got a daughter that lives, I, I mentioned her in Michigan. Uh, I have one that lives in Knoxville. And we have a lease. She lives at home. Uh, so <clears throat> we see her every day. Whoop-dee-doo. Hey, Elise, good luck today. Uh, but the ones that we haven't seen for a while, that's a whole different animal. So uh, Amaris is my oldest daughter. She's kind of a vagabond. She's kind of out there. She does things and she goes places. And this year has been, she called it her year of wandering. And so uh, she has a job that allows her to work remotely from any place she wants to. So she lived uh, six weeks in Montana. And then six weeks uh, she lived in Washington State. And now she's living in Salt Lake City. And who knows what's next? She'll have to figure it out. Maybe uh, Arizona. I can't remember exactly what she said. And she's coming home for Thanksgiving. And we will act as if she's coming back from war. We will hug her. We will kiss her. Miriam will fix her anything she wants to eat. We'll let her control the remote for two days. That's, that's, that's the limit. But for a bit, it'll be all about her. So I think about my dad. What that'll be like. It's been 20 years. I, I, I saw Amherst a few months ago. It's hard for me to get my mind around that. But the Bible says that's our destiny. In fact... He said, we are fully confident. We're fully confident. In August, I'm going to a conference. Next August. Oh, wait, I've already planned it. Next August. Conference. Because this August is over. Uh, so I'm going to go to next August. I got online. I made a reservation. Um, they sent me confirmation of my reservation. You know what I am about that reservation? I'm fully confident. I've paid, uh, I, I've got a reservation. Now, unless I pass or something happens, that's going to be my reservation. It's mine. I'm confident. 
And that's why Paul says we're fully confident. We'd rather be <laughs> shed these deteriorating earthly bodies because when we do, those of us who follow Christ, we get to be with Jesus. Home, he calls it home with the Lord. We get to go home to a place we've never been before. We can be fully confident because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be, you could be, you should be. You will be. You will be. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. In just a few minutes, we're going to witness some folks being baptized. It is an outward expression of an inward decision that they've made. Um, my buddy Noah is going to get baptized. And he's going to sit in the water and we're going to put him under the water and his dad's going to do it. Um, and I'm going to be there to pull him up in case dad just holds him down. Uh, so... Uh, Chuck, I'm going to be right there. I'm, a, I'm like the lifeguard. Uh, no, I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> we express our faith in different ways. That's one way. It's a public expression of a commitment that we've made. We can be fully confident. Just like Paul was, I can be fully confident. Because I have a reservation. We get baptized. It's a, it's a symbol of something that's happened in our lives. We've given our hearts to Christ. There's an old us that dies and is buried, and there's a new us. What a great day to talk about the resurrection because that's symbolic of what we're doing today. So we're going to close the service in just a second. I don't have very many announcements. I'll tell you what I've got. And then... Um, those of you who have kids can go get them and bring them back and we'll, we'll kind of mill around and I'll tell the folks who are being baptized what to do and how to do it. And if they need to go change, we're going to do that. But we're kind of done with the sermon. If you have questions or you want to talk to me about it after this is over with, I'm around, man. You just talk to me or after the baptism, you can talk to me. If you have questions, please, please, please don't leave without knowing that being fully confident because you can be. The Bible tells us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a good day you've given us for um, this good word. Thank you for the teaching uh, of your word. And I pray that it would help us to have confidence as we walk through life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.